We're now going to sit under God's Word together. So if you open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, to chapter 4, verse 1, but I'm going to read verse 17 as well. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your masters in everything, your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let's pray together and ask for God's help. Father in heaven, all your ways are good and right. All that you teach us to do is good. And so we come before you this morning and we ask that you would, by the power of your spirit, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive, that we might walk in your ways so that everything we do would honour the Lord Jesus and be pleasing to him. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen. Now, we are going to work hard this morning, so I'm not going to make jokes to warm us up. I'm going to say a couple of things by way of introduction before we start about this morning. And the first is that there are difficult things that we've just heard in these verses, and for some of you... This will be hard to hear and it will bring up things that are not good memories. Can I just say, I really hope that this can be the beginning of a conversation. So do come and talk afterwards. Find me or find one of the elders and let's do talk it through. The second thing is that... uh, I'm not going to be comprehensive today, so I'm not going to say everything. So there may be things at the outset that you think that I should say. Assume that I say them. (laughs) I know it sounds funny, doesn't it? The reason is because what we tend to do, and I do this, is we listen to a whole bunch of stuff 
and we glide over it because we're waiting to hear that one thing that we think definitely needs to be said, right? I may not say it. We'll be here for a few hours if I'm going to say it all. So I'm not going to say everything, but what I do say, try to embrace it to the degree that I speak in line with Scripture. Together with that is this morning's going to be lopsided. I'm not going to spend as much time on children obeying their parents. Though that is important, and sadly, it is the case that we are going to, in some ways, be lopsided. Third, if you don't get addressed directly here this morning, if you thought to yourself, not married, not slave, not master, out of home, etc., don't switch off. This is how you can know what it's like for a whole bunch of people in your family and pray. That's not a trite thing to say. Praying is awesome. So listen and pray, and this may be the reality for you in the future. Next is to the degree that I speak in line with Scripture... Let's remember these are not Dave's ideas. I didn't write Colossians. God did, so let's listen to him this morning. And lastly, if you are not a follower of Jesus here this morning, I'm aware that what we read is very controversial. We are at a point in society where we are, we are struggling to uh, use categories of male and female, let alone wives submit to your husbands. We are a long way away. I recognise that. But let me say that, that th- those words are not the most controversial words that I just read this morning. They're not the most radical words either. They're not the most radical words that we've heard here this morning at all. Jesus, the man who lived 2,000-ish years ago, it is said, rose from the dead, is living in heaven right now. All things in the whole universe were made through him and for him He is coming back to lay all of our hearts bare to judge the living and the dead. He is alive right now. He is going to give a reward of an eternal inheritance to some and banish others away and destroy them in hell. That is more radical. We have a problem with our hearts that wives submit to your husbands is more controversial or more radical. Ethics actually expose what's going on underneath. So there can be a doorway into a conversation. Actually, the lordship of Christ is what I want to reject, not a specific ethic. So getting into the text, after having said that, First line, verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. 
Now, I'm just going to follow the structure that Paul uses here and just work our way through this morning. But before I want to say anything about that first line is I want to just take a minute to, um, to defend what I believe is the biblical picture of marriage. Uh, if, if we were reading Ephesians 5, the picture of marriage would be that the way that the wife relates to the husband mirrors the way that the church relates to Christ and the way that Christ relates to the church is the way the husband is supposed to relate to the wife. There's supposed to be submission and some sort of underness from the wife's perspective and headship or some sort of leadership authority from the husband's perspective. That's Ephesians 5. Now, the reason that matters is because what Paul does, one of the main objections to this verse in which we'll, we'll lose, I'll lose some of the audience uh, uh, at the outset, is that the argument that runs that this, this was a word that Paul said to a specific culture at a specific time, and it's not relevant for us today, right? So the argument runs, that used to be appropriate, but it's not appropriate now. Paul ties the, the marriage to the relationship between Christ and the church, the unchanging relationship between Christ and the church. So provided that relationship stands, the relationship between husband and wife stands because they're tied together, one reflects the other. So it's all that just to say it is relevant for today, so let's try and hear what it says. The word is... First word, submit yourselves to your husbands. Now, part of the reason why this is so difficult is because men, me, have so failed to model what the corresponding side of the marriage relationship is meant to be sacrificial, servant-hearted leadership that we have made it hard for our wives. We have done an awful job at maintaining and upholding and living out our responsibility. And we should lament and repent and change we should say sorry to our wives for being so selfish, for not giving up our desires, for not thinking of them, and for ruling with a heavy hand. That's wrong. That's part of why this is hard. But what I hope to do today is to win back a word, and that word is submission. Now, the thing about submission is it's not a negative word. Jesus, in Luke 2.51, submits to his parents. It's good enough for Jesus. Believers, in Ephesians 5.21, are to submit one to another. And in Romans 13.1, Everybody is to submit to the authorities. In fact, 
the Bible is riddled with structural relationships of overness and underness. That's the way that we are put together. But what ties all of that together, and just this is a note, and if you take one thing away from this morning, is that the, the word that's repeated most in this whole section is the word Lord. Right? Lord is repeated most. Everything that we read here flows out from, as an expression of faith, us being under the lordship of Christ. So Jesus is Lord of everything, and under that lordship, there are different expressions of living that out. Some in positions of authority, some in positions of obedience, some in positions of submission. The, the idea is, no one belongs to themselves. None of us belong to ourselves. We all belong to the Lord Jesus. None of us is the boss. He rules and he is calling the shots. We are not free in that sense. And we just have different places within that big structure. Also, Jesus is the model for us all. Jesus is the model for what it looks like to use authority. Jesus is the model for what it looks like to be under authority when he came, the Son of God, took on flesh and was obedient to his Father, submitted himself to his parents, submitted himself to the authorities. Jesus is the model for you, wife. Jesus is the model for you, husbands. Look to Jesus. One of the things that that does is it means that the idea of submission, it's not a whole bunch of things. It's not subjugation. So if that's how you read it, wife or husband, that's wrong. It's not agreement in everything. In 1 Peter, you have believing wives and unbelieving husbands. They obviously don't agree on something, but they are still to submit. It's not silence. It's not following your husband into sin. It's not all women to all men. It's not a license for abuse. And it is not inferiority. That's really key. It's too easy to read the word submission and think inferiority. Jesus was submitted to his parents, right? We have to get that clear. He wasn't inferior to his parents. Wives and husbands are equal in value, dignity, both made in the image of God, both fellow heirs with Christ. Now, the thing is that what can then happen in a discussion like this is that submission gets so qualified that you wives will walk out the door and think, 
we're all submitted to everybody. And so, yeah, we just kind of, everybody's submitted to everybody. That's how it works. And actually, we lose the force of the word. It, it is a word, and it means submit. And so, however we talk about it, we need to embrace the fact that it still does have that force. The husband is not told to submit to his wife in the same way in Scripture. Now, we don't have time to spell out all the details of what that looks like, but I think if what we can get this morning is if we can see the biblical picture of marriage, if we can embrace, this is, I'm speaking to the women, if we can embrace that submission is not a dirty word, and if we can embrace the posture of willingness to submission, then we'll have a win. And we can spell out the details of all the different situations that you're in in, in further conversation. But if we can see that it is a beautiful picture, the church has got an honourable position submitting to Christ. There is something honourable about the woman's submission to her husband and the way that she conducts herself in that posture. And this submission doesn't flow from the quality of the husband's lead. That's really key. Interestingly, wives are addressed first. In fact, all the weaker parties, as it were, if I can say that, in, the, in this section are addressed first. Wives, children, slaves, and then the corresponding group. And I think part of that is because it's not a case of if my husband lives like this, then I'll submit. That's not how it works. And it doesn't work the other way. Husbands love your wives if my wife submits. Let's let each of us take ownership of the thing that Jesus has spoken to us and do it. And finally, on this note, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard, wives. Your husband is a sinner and he's not doing as well as he should. You submit to him because you submit to Christ. It's an activity of faith in Christ that you submit to your husband. Not because he's got it right. It'll involve forgiveness. It'll involve patience. It'll involve saying no to bitterness. It will involve following Jesus and embracing the gospel and applying it to your life. Now, second thing is, husbands, verse 19, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. First thing to say is that I hope, husbands, that we've heard everything said about submission so that we don't expect the wrong thing from our wives, right? We're not lords in that relationship, we're husbands. And it says here, husbands... Not rule your wives. Husbands, love your wives. 
So here's what I suggest for all of us husbands, and men do it as well. Get your diary, block out an evening, get your Bible, go to 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 7, where it says, love is, love is patient, love is kind, etc. Spend the whole evening thinking about each point, praying through each point, repenting for all the ways that you haven't done that with your wife, and thinking about how you can apply that to the relationship with your wife. There's a, there's a practical, that's one point of application to think about the word love. Because isn't it sad that when we read through this, we think to ourselves, ooh, wives, submit to your husbands. That's hard. And then we think, husbands, love your wives. Oh, yeah, that's, we do that. <laughs> really? No, 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 no. Bible love is a laying down of your life. This is one of the things that gets too often missed in this discussion. In Ephesians 5, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, die! (laughs) Doesn't sound like that. It It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. Right? That meant dying. That's hard. And it means loving our wives when they are not being submissive. So it says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. If we were reading the Christian Standard Bible, it would say, do not become embittered towards them. And I prefer that because I feel like it gets to the heart. I feel like harshness can, 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 can be felt just as an external thing, but it's, it's, a, it's an internal thing. It is about our hearts. Have our hearts become bitter towards our wives, men? And is that partly because we have expected of them things that are not required of them? Is it because we are upset that they are not doing what we want when we want? Are we thinking to ourselves about how we can serve our wives, give up our desires, our wishes and our needs to love and serve and see our wives flourishing. That's what we should be doing and not becoming bitter in our hearts toward them, cold towards them. So let's pray for our hearts to continue in that love even when our wives aren't responding in the way that we would like. Now, this will look like actions. It's not just words, it's actions. And for some of us, it's not just actions. It would be good to have some words. Now, I'm just aware as well that for some husbands here, this will actually be really hard. Sometimes it's, it's as though we, we recognise that it's hard for the wives. But actually, for some husbands here, you're thinking to yourself, Dave, you don't know my wife. And the thing is, sometimes they're right. Wives, some of you are really hard to love and lead. You dig your heels in all the time. You don't acknowledge your husband's headship 
and the responsibility that I think he rightly feels as being the husband, the, that, the burden that that is for the family, for how you conduct yourselves with your finances, for the godliness in the home, for the children. Some of you men are thinking, huh? Oh, am I supposed to feel a burden for that? Yes. <laughs> but some of you, it's hard, and it's really hard. And so for you men who are feeling that, don't become bitter towards your wives. Look to Jesus. How is this possible? Where does the power to do that come from? It comes to looking to Jesus, to look at how he loved you, to see how you can love your wife. He loved you when you were an enemy, when you were really hostile towards him. He loves you now. He's patient with you now as you are stubborn and slow and still acting immature in so many ways. He's kind towards you. He speaks words to you, encourages you. So look to Jesus to find the strength to love your wives. Now, (laughs) that's two verses. (laughs) So we're not quite going to have the time to get through. I'm not sure that I can see a child that is... Perhaps you are in, in your parents' home still... And this applies to you, but I'm going to skip that. Fathers, I think if we embraced a spirit of gentleness overall, we would do well. I know that would be for myself. Don't embitter your children, don't provoke them, wind them up, push them so hard that they start losing heart. But I want to say something before we close. On these final words, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Verse 22. Not only when their eye is on you to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favouritism. And then masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, just a couple of quick notes about slaves. Slaves here are probably different to the slaves that we uh, might, might come to our minds based on films that we've seen or what we know about American history, for example, and probably history here in England. Um, It wasn't racially motivated here. Um, It's also the case that stealing people, uh, Paul Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 10, that stealing people is wrong. It's also interesting to note that Paul Paul neither endorses or denounces uh, the sla- uh, slaves and masters, what that institution was. I think really what I, what I want to say, the main thing to take there is don't, what you have pros- probably for what you think, slaves, that's probably not the situation here. 
some of these slaves will be in um, uh, will be in quite respectable positions. Um, will be handling large amounts of uh, money and things like this. Some of them will have put themselves into that position because they will have uh, voluntarily done that as a, as a way of income, as a way to live in that society. That's not to say also that some will be in the situation, however, uh, that they, they got there in a way that they didn't want to be there. Uh, we can't get around that issue um, because some of them will be uh, uh, victims of war and so they will be captives from war and will have remained in those, in those places. But I think there is, there is still some instruction for us here uh, today with these words. First one is um, that the slaves to employees doesn't quite map on, I don't think. I think we can get some principles and there'll be overlap for what it means to be an employee, but it's not a direct um, correlation between being a slave then and an employee now. And so I'm going to leave us with a final little kind of uh, box to think in and just going to point out each, each of the sides of the box and then for your own situation, when you've got questions about what does it mean to obey my master or if in a similar situation where you are somebody in authority, so this is where the employee-employer relationship can have some overlap, is to think that what that might look like is somewhere in the box. I don't know all the specific details of what that's actually going to look like on the ground, but somewhere inside this box is the answer. And here are the, here are the lines around the box. First line is that Paul addresses the godliness of the slave, not the institution. So he doesn't actually say anything about the institution. And I think part of what's going on here is the New Testament is quite silent on this issue of institutions like uh, government and uh, employer-employee relations and how we, uh, uh, how we conduct ourselves in that way. But what it, it, what it does major on is our attitude and our response and our godliness. What is our response and and our posture in that situation? And it's to maintain godliness. So work, slaves, as those who are working for the Lord and not for people. So work with sincerity and work in a way that you would work for the Lord. That's a kind of godliness over the structure as more important in the box. So when you're thinking about it, think for yourself, am I, am I so bent on breaking, the, changing the structure at the expense of godliness? Second line is, that uh, we don't have in this text, but I think it's still relevant, is that sin is still sin. So the principle we must obey God rather than man still applies. And so I think there you have obey, obey your, uh, verse 22, slaves obey your earthly masters in everything recognizing that you have, it's actually the Lord Christ that you're serving. So your earthly master doesn't trump your heavenly master. The other side of the box, so don't sin, right? That, that's, what that, that's what that is. So the other side is locate yourself in time. 
And here's what it says here, verse 24. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. Right? And anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs and there is no favoritism. Christians are not, that's got two things. It means that we're not getting our best life now. It means that we can live in that we can live in a situation that is perhaps not the, the, the ideal scenario. So we are a kind of suffering people. We are a, we're not a get my justice now kind of people, get all my pleasure and all my joy now kind of people. We're a we're on the road to somewhere kind of people, and reward and dignity and honour and freedom from suffering is a future thing, ultimately. And also, with, the, with respect to the justice, the wrongdoer will be repaid for the wrong he has done and there is no impartiality. So justice is also met in the future. It's in God's hands. That's where Paul does push us, and that's where the New Testament will push us more regularly than get my justice now. It will be a God will enact justice on the final day, and we are a suffering, godly people in the midst of it, suffering unjustly. We're not being treated right, necessarily. That's part of our witness. And finally, the bottom line is acknowledge the structure that's there. So the slaves are still called to obey their masters. There is still that sense of we are living in that structure that we are in. And so whatever that might look like for us, I don't think that's a... I don't think it cashes out as a kind of... If your, if your boss said tomorrow, I, I never want you to leave working here and I want you to work for a penny, um, that you couldn't say, I'm going to find a new job... Um, but there is some set, somehow we need to apply something here where Paul is trying to have the believers not become an unruly people. And so as we finish, just to say that overall, as we come back to remember what connects all of these verses together, is that Christ is Lord. And so if we, uh, I've said it already this morning, but if we take away one thing, let's remember that none of us belongs to ourselves, that Christ is Lord, and that whatever we do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, glorifying the Father through him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the time that we've had here this morning. We ask, God, that you would help us as we wrestle through these uh, verses, uh, some difficult things in here. We pray that you'd give us wisdom, and we pray that you'd give us soft hearts. I want to pray especially, Father, for husbands or wives that are feeling difficulties, are finding it challenging in their marriages. I pray, God, that you would bless those marriages, that you would restore beauty to those marriages, that there would be love in those marriages. Pray that wives would submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I pray that husbands would love their wives as Christ loved the church. And I pray that in all things, God, we would act in a way that honors you.
Amen.